From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world, presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. I'm your host, KG Smooth, and um, we're switching things up a little bit on PAP. Uh, Got a nice little roundtable, as you all know. uh, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, and I have one of the top folks that can talk about this um, here in the studio uh, with me today. She is, um, actually, I'm going to just let her tell her about you herself. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Conti Terrell to the program. How you doing, my love? Hey, KG. So awesome to be here with you. It's so always. awesome to be here with you. You got your purple on and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and and you brought a guest with you, Miss yes. uh, Lawana Graham. How you doing? Zawana Graham. Zawana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, uh, so, well, welcome to the show, ladies. Um, Dr. Conti, you know, tell the folks about yourself and, and, and what you do and, and how you got into this work. Okay, well, I am, as you said, Dr. Conti Terrell. I am the founder and president of Freshfield Wellness for Women, which is the oldest African-American female-founded domestic violence agency in Harris County and the surrounding counties. And... Um, we just turned 25 years old, so I'm super oh, excited wow. about that. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> 25. 25 years old. Just celebrated our 25th anniversary. And uh, I am a speaker, a three-time best-selling Amazon author, coach, and counselor. Indeed. And uh, Zawana, tell us about you. Hi. So um, I am a client of Fresh Spirits. Uh, I've been enrolled with them for about two and a half years, I say, and it has changed my life for the better. Um, I'm also a domestic abuse survivor, mm-hmm. and I fleed from Pennsylvania, and this uh, agency has been nothing but a blessing for me and my family. Yeah. Um, domestic violence, it's such a, it's, it's a sticky situation. In the words of Drake, you know how sticky it gets. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because when you're, when you're in a relationship or a marriage and you do truly love that person Mm -hmm. but yet they are gaslighting you Mm. they are um, just speaking low of you from a mental standpoint emotionally it breaks you down and it even gets physical because a lot of people think that you know domestic violence you know means physical harm Mm -hmm. There's also psychological right. Right. implications uh, to that as well. So, uh, Zawana, like just hearing you say that you escaped, yeah. like that just that did something to my heart. If you don't mind, can you just tell us your story as much as you want to, as comfortable as you are? I don't want okay. you know to trigger anything or oh, you know okay. just as just as much as you want. Yeah, okay. tell us your story. Okay, no problem. So. I've actually, I'm actually, I fleed an abuser who became a stalker, left the relationship. Um, I actually left the relationship in 2000. And, Pull that uh, mic a little 50. closer. Yeah, to you. Closer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like this? Yeah. Okay, I had actually left the relationship in 2015, and he actually became a stalker. So I had actually relocated um, in Houston around 2019. Before 2019, I've moved to another city, which is Atlanta, trying to flee him. And, you know, I, obviously he was familiar with that. And 
I've been out here since 2019. Um, I've had any contact or anything. It's just it's really tough when you have kids with the person. Yeah. And um, for spirits, uh, I was able to do some researching, and I actually did uh, came up with my own uh, research, and I was Googling, and I was able to find uh, fresh spirits through uh, Google search. Mm-hmm. And I was actually looking for some type of support for domestic violence victims, and that's how I came across uh, Fresh Spirits. And um, I was actually living in the car with my kids uh, because I had to vacate my um, my unit back in Pennsylvania just to leave so he wouldn't know where we were living at. Right. So I was about homeless for a couple months in a car. Uh, sorry about that. It's no, a little it's touchy, a, but I'm, okay. I'm okay to talk about it. Um, because you're going to help so many people. Yeah, 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 uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Leaving was the best thing I can I can say. The best thing for me and my children. Yeah. Um, I was living in a car. I was uh, actually moved into a, a par- apartment with a roommate. Things didn't go well there, and I was facing uh, an eviction. And I got some help, resources through Fresh Spirits. And they helped uh, house me and my children, furnish our place, uh, help with uh, financial support for me and the kids, and... I've been on a roll, yeah, and just doing better than ever. I'm at a better uh, space mentally, emotionally. Good. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm like, Good. I think that was the best decision I could ever make, and I, I see a difference in my kids because a lot of these uh, men and women don't know how much it could really affect uh, the children if you stay in those relationships. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I grew up in a house where my mama and her ex husband they fought. They fought a lot. You know, he had a short man's complex and he was an alcoholic. And um, there would be nights that we would hear the rumbling and them going at it just petrified. Me, my right. brothers and, and my sister in the room, petrified because we're hearing, you know, all of this stuff. What I am so grateful for is that we did not turn out like that, that you know, we we looked at him as what not to be, you know, and then, you know, my mama wasn't no punk. I mean, she was, you know, fighting back. But what it was, it was my brother up under me, my brother Kisan, and, he, you know, he that growth spurt hit, mm-hmm. you know, and so he's taller, he's he's bigger, he's thicker. And then when they got into it, you know, my mama was just like, nah, because, yeah. you know, my kids over you. And so. That that ended. Yeah, you like the implications that it has on us because I grew up wondering if we would turn out like that, and none of us did. Uh, and thank God for that. So, Doctor mm-hmm. Conti, with you know, with fresh spirits, like I mean, twenty five years that you've been doing this, like that's like I said, that's nothing to scoff at. Um, how did it start? What what made what inspired you to start? Fresh spirits and 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 to take on all of these women's um, issues. Well, uh, it's my story as well. I am a survivor, and when I was in my abusive marriage, I was married to him actually for ten years. He did. He was raised in a, an abusive home, and he did uh, turn out to be quite a bit like uh, his father, being a product of his environment. Yes. Uh huh. And so, but I. Uh, I had no idea about domestic violence. I, I, I call myself 
KJ, the myth of domestic violence, because I thought that I thought everything I thought about domestic violence in my head was it, it wasn't me. So mm-hmm. I, I thought you had to have seen it. You had to have grown up in it. Um, maybe you hung out with, you know, the bad kids, bad people, the gangs. Or, I don't know. You know, I just thought this just doesn't happen to <laughs> the, you know, average suburban woman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. And those are the ones that suffer the most. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, when I got ready to get out, when I finally said, OK, I can't do it anymore. I realized that there were at the time not a lot of organizations such as Fresh Spirit, meaning that everybody kept saying, go to a shelter, mm-hmm. go to a shelter. You can get this kind of help at a shelter. But I didn't need a shelter. I, I didn't have I had a place. Unfortunate for some people who don't, who, like she said, had to live in their car. But I had a place, but I still was being stalked because I was trying to leave. I still was being threatened. Uh, my mom's house was being threatened. He threatened to burn her house down. I mean, all kinds of things. So I'm like, well, how? Where do I go to get support? As she said, to get to find out about a protective order. I didn't know anything about a protective order. What is it? How do you get it? How do you stop him from stalking me? How How do I feel safe again? And so, uh, finally, I I ended up going to a counselor. All the gaslighting. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm crazy. Right. <laughs> Ended up going to a counselor, and fortunately for me, she was someone who was very familiar with what I was going through. And she, you know, she said, "This is abuse. This is domestic violence, and this is you know." And she guided me. Uh, but I knew at that point there had to be others like me that really just had no at absolute idea as to how to escape this tragedy and atrocity and so after getting out safely that was my mission is to, to start an organization that gave back and helped and so that's what I did so, so for how, how did it start or when did you all recognize that this was abuse was it was it just a full-on onset or was it a gradual kind of like a, how a predator does? Mm-hmm. They they started small and then it just mm-hmm. the abuse increased. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you realize it, you're in too deep. So yeah, it, right. Yeah, okay. Um, I actually he actually showed signs and I just ignored them. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, it started off uh, with name calling and. Um, a lot of name calling and uh, like verbal abuse. It started yeah. off like that, and I'm like, okay, oh, that's nothing. nothing. You're yeah, no good. No, 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 no. you're too this. You te- you're too that. Oh, you have kids. No one's gonna want you. You're big. You're this. It started off with a lot of that. So I'm like, okay, now I feel stuck. Now I have two kids by you. Maybe this is true. Hmm. And then the lack of um, some family support. I have n- I had none, and that was another reason why I made a big move out here. My best friend is from out here, and um. It really started verbal, verbal. Eventually, um, it started uh, physical. And the PFAs, protection, protect, uh, protection from abuse orders, didn't do anything. And the cops will make you feel less of nothing up in the area where I came from because they'll say, oh, well, you're probably going to be like the rest of the women. You're going to, uh, um, what is it? What's this word I'm looking for? You, you probably won't go forward with this PFA anyway. You probably won't show up at court. You'll put this against him and then won't show up at court and let them withdraw it. And that's what they kept implanting in, you know, my head. Mm-hmm. And to the point where I was actually intimidated by him, his family, the police officers. And I'm like, wow. So 
I actually end up uh, withdrawing it. I was getting threats from his family, him. The cops really showed they, they really didn't care because why would you even say that to me? This is my first time calling you guys for help. Before I re- reached out to the police, I reached out to my family, and they said, oh, well, we can't do anything. So that made me feel less of, you know, a human. Um, and about a few times I went back and to the point where he, like, choked me out. That's what really scared me, and um, I got out. You, I, I got out. That, that, that's, that scared me a lot. And mm-hmm. before I did uh, end up homeless, I was in a shelter, but you only get a time limit there. And the, the shelter actually became too toxic. There was a lot of people going through their own issues, mental, emotional. It just became an even more toxic environment. Hmm. So I was like, you know what? We're going to have to go here. We'll go here. I had a housing set up, but then by the time it was time to move, things didn't go through. And that's what led me and my kids to be homeless for quite, you know, for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. You know, daytime, we'll try to go at the library or, you know, other public places. And then by night, we're in, in the van sleeping. But yeah. You listen to the Public Affairs Podcast presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. Uh, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we're talking to Dr. Conti from uh, Free Spirit and uh, Zawana Graham, uh, who is a survivor herself. Uh, Dr. Conti, how how did you recognize it in your situation um, coming up? Well, it was very difficult for me to recognize it because it wasn't a lot of verbal abuse. Um and it wasn't, uh, uh, like I said, I thought everybody, you get punched in the face or a black eye. Uh, what people need to understand is that in, intimate partner violence and domestic violence is very intentional. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was modeling professionally at the time, so I was never hit in the face because, you know, right. he and was... That was your moneymaker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but his started with more control. And I just thought he was being a supportive husband. Um, I didn't go to uh, a college that I had a band scholarship, a potential band scholarship um, ready uh, because he's like, you don't need that. You're going to be, we, you, don't, you, don't, you know, we're going to get married. You don't, you don't need that. And so, uh, see, the domestic violence, KJ, is a, is a, it's all about power and control. So the less power they take from you, the more power and control they can have. And so uh, didn't want me to work. And, you know, you're young. You're thinking, okay, well, you got somebody who's going to take care of you. Don't don't want you to work. You don't have to go to college. You know, mm-hmm. hey, this is okay. All right. You know. Um, and then it started, well, you know, you, you talk. Every time I come home, you're on the phone with your girlfriends or, you know, your best friend. And you're always talking, you know. So then it got to where I was, all right, all right, he's on his way home, girl. I'll talk to you later. You know, little subtle things where it was he was isolating me from family and friends, mm. controlling where I went, controlling what I did. You know, I took a girl's trip with friends prior to him, and I literally had to, like, ask, can I go like a kid? You know, and I'm starting to think, okay, well, this doesn't feel comfortable. You know, this is taking away my freedom. Right. But I never, and many women don't know that is a form of intimate partner violence and domestic abuse. So it didn't look like what I thought domestic violence would look like because as you said, it's more, it's also financial um, abuse, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, 
So verbal abuse, sexual abuse. A lot of people don't even know that you could be sexually abused in a marriage. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that either. <laughs> you know, for the, the long, it wasn't until I was a full grown adult mm -hmm. and I was watching What's Love Got to Do With It? Mm. And that scene where, you know, she's up against the fish tank mm -hmm. and he yep. like, I didn't know that he was raping that woman in that scene. Mm -hmm. Like as a kid growing up, it wasn't until mm -hmm. I was a full grown. I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was literally raping his wife. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's wild. Um, the, the term that you just used, intimate partner violence. violence mm -hmm. I've never heard of that term uh, mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that it falls under the umbrella of the the, you know, the psychological, emotional, mm -hmm. sexual mm -hmm. ways um, of abuse that um, how long has that term been around? That is uh, it's been so around for, for several years. But what happened is, see, domestic violence does not have to be your intimate partner. Mm, and right. so domestic in the home It's in the home. Exactly. Uh, but intimate partner violence is domestic violence with your intimate partner. Mm. Interesting. This is just. My mind is blown. I don't know why. I should have put on my uh, <laughs> I should have put on my energy uh, protection shield so all of these emotions won't be um, bothering me because I am just like whoa. Because you know, to all of you weak men out there, like get yourself right, get yourself together, heal that mm -hmm. childhood trauma mm -hmm. because childhood trauma turns into adulthood tragedy. Mm -hmm. And when you are insecure and you don't know yourself and, and, and you, and it makes you feel better to put somebody else down, like, mm -hmm. bruh, mm -hmm. like go see a therapist, deal with yourself <laughs> in the mirror. Right. Like, because that is just, that's not, mm -hmm. that is not the way uh, to be. Um, tell us about Fresh Spirit and, and all of the services um, that you all provide there. Yes. Yeah, so um, naturally you can get uh, domestic violence and, and trauma counseling, crisis counseling. Uh, we also do regular therapy because everybody that uh, has gotten out of domestic violence may have not gotten the help. And so years later they are seeing these different effects. They may have even grown up, as you said, uh, in a household and didn't realize wow, there's things that still bother me that's not allowing me to be all I need to be because I haven't worked through those things. So we do counseling. Uh, we also do case management uh, because if you're fleeing, like in her case, you may need to have housing. You may need to have uh, get back on your feet with finances. You may need to have a, a work, help with resources to get a job, all of those different things. And then we have a very, very important uh, part of our program is our legal advocacy because, again, you may need protective orders, child custody battles. So many people don't know all of the legalities that protect women in domestic violence. You may need to break your lease, and you can do that if you're under you know, an attack from an abuser. Uh, so there's just so many different things that you may not know. So the legal aspect of it, we even accompany, accompany them to court uh, also, we have support groups. We have safety plans. Safety plans are vital because we do know that once you decide you want to leave, upon leaving, your chances of getting killed goes up over 70%. Mm. That is the most dangerous time. So we want to make sure that you are very well ed educated and, and as prepared as possible to leave safely. Mm. Um, what advice... Uh, Zawana, would you give 
women who are currently in this situation? I know that everybody, you know, is different. Everybody moves different. But what would be like maybe three of the main things that you would tell a woman um, or any is, person? Don't be scared to look at the warning signs. Don't be scared to leave. And this, you you can do it. You're 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 able. You're able to do it. You're able to leave. I mean, I'm I'm an example. Mm-hmm. I'm an Did example. you have a plan before, um, or was everything abrupt? I my first plan was to leave. No, I did not. It wasn't um, a safety plan. Wasn't in effect until I met Fresh Spirits. Mm. Yeah. And Dr. Conti, can you talk about a safety plan? Because I think like women or just individuals in this situation, they need to have one if they really you know, Absolutely. want to get out. Uh, well, safety plans are uh, created individually depending on your situation. Right. Uh, what someone's safety plan may be is will vary and differ, be different from someone else's. But what we try to do is make sure that you know the basics. You don't tell an abuser that you're leaving when you're planning to leave. Again, that power and control is going to kick in, and then they're going to you're giving them the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you also want to make sure that uh, a lot of people want to leave, and uh, I always think about the situation that I heard on the news. KJ uh, a few years back, it haunted me because I knew she didn't really have a safety plan, but she had enough wherewithal to know that when she got ready to leave, it was going to be very difficult, and so she had her her father to meet her at a gas station near her house. And the plan was to go to the house and to have him leave, and the father was going to help her to kick him out. Um, But as they were headed to the house, the father had a flat tire. So Mm. she got to the house before he did. Mm. And when he got there, uh, the abuser had killed her and himself. Mm. And so for us, we would have never wanted her to be there in the safety plan. If he is that, you know, uh, we do a fatality level. If he's that fatal, then um, the father could have went with the police. So and she would have not even been there at all. Uh, There's just different things. A lot of people don't realize also when you're leaving, uh, if you have children, you need their birth certificates. You get away and you don't have their school records, then they can't get in school somewhere. They don't have, you know, you don't have all their ID, their shot records, all those things. So we make sure you have a list of things that you're definitely going to need mm-hmm. when you leave. And then we look at your situation and see what is going to be the best and safe way to do that. We've moved uh, a lady once, and this was during COVID. And, and the safety plans during COVID even changed because Stay home, stay safe wasn't so safe for those who were staying mm. in with an abuser. Man. So even in that, we would say if it, he's about to, if you you see that this is about to erupt in an abuse, don't be in the kitchen, don't be in the bathroom, move to a different area of the house because you don't want to be slammed up against the, uh, the 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 marble tile or the the granite countertop, those types of things. So you know, we just want people to know that. You can leave, and you can leave safely, but it takes, excuse me, it takes some planning. And and, and where should people go um, who are in this situation that would need the help of Fresh Spirit? Yes, so our website is www.freshspirit.org, www.freshspirit.org. Um, our number is 713-588-4418. And if you are listening and you are in another part of the country, the uh, national number is 1-800-799-SAFE. 
Yes. Oh, man. Thank you, ladies, for coming on. <laughs> man, Zawana, you sharing your story. Thank you so much. I really appreciate. I really appreciate your courage and your strength. Thank um, you. And for anyone that is going through this, you know, reach out to Dr. Conti. She is fresh spirit. Will will get you right and and help you out. I mean, we've we've got I'm a, an example. A of, we got a living <laughs> witness example. I didn't smile this right often here. before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and I and I love to see you smile. I love you. Thank smile. you. Thank you. <laughs> Family <laughs> violence and healthy relationship expert Dr. Conti Terrell and uh, domestic violence survivor Zawana Graham. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank the you for program. having Thank us. you, KJ. And for everyone listening to the podcast uh, presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston, we'll be back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. Presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston, I am your host, KG Smooth. And not only is October Breast Cancer Awareness Month, as we know, and the conversation that you heard last segment uh, with October also being uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, October is also National Bullying Prevention Month, and I have on the phone line with me an author and a mother uh, whose new book, Canaries Among Us, is out right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the lovely Kayla Taylor to the Public Affairs Podcast. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that you are here. Um, National Bullying Prevention Month. When you hear that, Kayla, what does it mean to you? Well, it's a very personal thing for me. I have a child who was bullied for several years, and so I saw firsthand the impacts that that can have on a child and on a family and on a community. Um, It can be quite significant and even uh, devastating. So, yes, it's very personal to me. Yeah, indeed. Um, let, let's just get right into uh, the book, Canaries Among Us. Like, um, Why is Canaries Among Us relevant right now? Canaries Among Us is relevant right now because it deals with some very timely issues, I believe. Uh, it's a candid and personal view into what it's like raising a child with learning differences, bullying, and anxiety. And right now, estimates um, suggest that about one in every uh, five kids has a learning difference that affects them in school. So that's 20% of all kids. And frequently, those kids are bullied, and um, they have a higher propensity towards anxiety. Mm. And so many families are dealing with it. Uh, I felt the need to write about it, especially since the issues are all so stigmatized. Nobody's talking about these issues. And This became particularly relevant, I thought, as uh, parents were um, helping their children or trying to help their children through stay-at-home learning. They could see firsthand um, how traditional teaching methods might not suit their children's learning style. Um, And so I think parents are better equipped now to be able to advocate for their kids because they've essentially been inside the classroom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know... um as you were speaking, I was just thinking, like, there was a time when, and, and, and this is probably during the Trump era, uh, where bullying was at the forefront. And it, it was almost like a, a, a pandemic, be it 
you know, we're hearing stories about kids getting bullied in school or be it, you know, adults being bullied online or whatnot. And it seems as though that conversation has died down and we don't hear about bullying as much. And not to say that it has gone away because clearly um, it hasn't. Why do you think that is that the conversation around it kind of died off? You know, I don't know. I do know our world has gone through a lot in the past few years. So maybe the focus has gone towards other issues, which are also necessary uh, to discuss. So I don't begrudge that at all. I also wonder if maybe um, some some of the tactics that are used in bullying have become normalized maybe socially. Mm. And so people have a harder time identifying when it happens. I mean, we see our leaders bullying one, one another. Uh, you know, when kids see adults doing it, <laughs> um, and when we as citizens um, see the people around us doing it and so regularly, maybe we don't identify it for what it is. I hope, I hope uh, conversations like the one you're having now change that, though, because, it, as I said before, it's, it's devastating um, and has you know, lifelong consequences. Are there different forms of bullying? Because maybe some people maybe bullied and not even recognize that that is in fact happening to them. Um, are there different ways of, of bullying? Absolutely. Maybe it would help if I um, shared what um, most of the experts consider to be a good definition of bullying. Sure. Of course, each individual will say it differently, but I did a ton of research on this topic. And over time, it became apparent that the most common definition is something like Bullying is the act of repeatedly and intentionally causing physical and or emotional harm to another person with less power. Mm. So right there, you're hearing both physical and emotional. I think a lot of times the emotional attacks perhaps aren't identified as bullying when they, they very much are and, again, have huge consequences. Um, in terms of other types of bullying, um, you know, there's in-person bullying, there's cyberbullying, um, there are, of course, several different types of targets of bullying, though, as I mentioned the definition, it's often people with less power. So studies have shown that the most common targets of bullying are racial minorities, uh, people in the LGBTQIA community, mm. people with disabilities, and kids with learning differences. So I, I imagine bullying, uh, and I've seen bullying, look quite different among all different communities and age groups. And, of course, more people are bullied than, than the groups that I just mentioned. But those are the most common types of bullying. And maybe people don't identify it as bullying um, when it's towards, um, or the, the masses don't identify the bullying when it t it's towards a minority, um, which, of, of course, is, <laughs> by definition, just wrong. Yeah. Um, just thinking about that, you know, a lot of that happens in corporate America, you know, where you have that boss or that supervisor that has that power over you and, um, they're using these fear tactics, if you will, um, to get you to perform better or, you know, if, if the numbers aren't right, you know, oh, well, this is going to happen or the corporation is going to do this. So we've got to get these numbers up. Now that you or you identify, will be fired if right, this exactly. doesn't happen. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, it happens that. everywhere. Um, you know, when I became, I was in my what I call the little dark hole, helping my child and my family, 
And I really felt so isolated and alone and like it was happening just to me, especially when I tried to speak up. People told me I was being overly sensitive and they were basically gaslighting me, telling me this wasn't happening, although I was pretty sure it was. But then I turned on the nightly news and, you know, I saw all all types of victimization happening. That's an important thing about bullying. It's often not identified as victimization, a form of victimization that it is. And I started seeing bullying and other types of victimization all across America. Um, and the response to it was frequently uh, underwhelming, to say the least, but, or, you know, to be honest, negligent, and would cause further trauma because the people seeking support weren't getting the support they needed. So, you know, you mentioned um, workers. You know, it's, it, again, there's a power differential. So bullying is probably most likely to happen to low-wage workers or people with the least amount of power in an organization. And who are they going to try to go to for help but their higher-ups? <laughs> but if their higher-ups are the ones instigating the bullying, their hands are really tied. We've mm-hmm. also seen this in the military, um, not with bullying, but, for example, with sexual assault. Um, by their own peers. So when soldiers come forward, who are, uh, as of a few years ago, who who could they report to but their own superiors who might be the ones um, targeting them? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, you're, <laughs> man, you, you got, I mean, my mind is just going um, right now. My mind oh, is good. going. That's my great. Mind. That's what we want, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston. We're talking to mother and author, Kayla Taylor, whose book, Canaries Among Us, A Mother's Quest to Honor Her Child's Individuality in a Culture Determined to Negate It, uh, drops this Tuesday, October the 11th, as we uh, bring more awareness as October is um, uh, Bullying uh, Awareness Month. Um, Why did you title the book Canaries Among Us? I'm glad you asked that. So early on in my journey with my child, I identified actually of multiple children who, who I would identify as canaries. There's this analogy that's used that um, many years ago, and I don't think it's still done today, but coal miners would take canaries down into coal mines because they had this extra sensitive um, understanding of toxins. So when the canaries stopped singing, the miners knew it was time to flee the mine because the toxins were probably going to kill them. Mm. And so I have a child who's hypersensitive to a wide variety of senses, whether it's smell, touch, and definitely disapproving looks from peers or um, teachers. And so I identified my child as, as a canary. But then as I started to look around, there are so many children who have unique ways about them and they have trouble fitting into this box that society has put out there for them. And parents might try to stuff them in. Our communities might try to stuff them in. And in so doing, we squash these superior, amazing, wonderful, extra senses and abilities they have. Um, you know, I'm for, thinking, for example, um, a child with dyslexia. Yeah. Um, children with dyslexia, yes, they might have trouble reading, but they also frequently, and of course, no child with dyslexia is the same as all other children with dyslexia, but on average, they often um, have a greater ability to see a wider variety of things at a time. So often their artistic abilities are better. Um, Frequently, they can connect dots among disparate ideas better. And when we label them as 
disabled or unable and we demean them, we lose all of these rich, beautiful things that could be added to our society. That's just one example. But for me, basically, canary is any child who, you know, in God even right, has their own special way about them. Um, and I would like for us all to consider before demeaning those children for not fitting in in a certain way to, to appreciate their unique attributes. I love that. I love that metaphor or the personification, um, if you will, about right. that. Um, so Wednesday is National Stop Bullying Day. Um, are you doing anything special uh, for that day? I mean, of course, I mean, I know you're going to be celebrating the release of your book, uh, but anything else special that you may be doing for October 12th being National Stop Bullying Day? Well, I'm going to have some more interviews like this to hopefully spread the word, um, and I'm happy to talk to anybody who has an interest in decreasing um, bullying and appreciating the wide variety of our humanity. Is there anything you'll be doing? Um, what, what, no, just um, talking about your book and bringing more awareness uh, as well, because this is a conversation that also uh, needs to continue uh, to be had. I am interested, though, and in, in you can share if you like um, at your comfortability level, um, if you don't mind um, telling the story of, of how your child uh, was bullied or how you discovered that the bullying was uh, occurring. Sure. Well, that's actually um, the, so some of the opening pages of my book, and I'm happy to share that because I don't think it ruins the ending in any way. Um, but I had what I thought was an average day at an average school. Um, I was fortunate to be able to pick up my child from school. And as we were walking down the street, this child turned to me like a reporter, <laughs> maybe somewhat like what you do, mm -hmm. and apologized for being late. Um, because the whole class was released late, and explained that um, she was late because the teacher kept them all to talk about kindness mm -hmm. because an I Hate Hannah club had been formed. And she said this so matter-of-factly, but I, was, I had to stop in my tracks because my child is Hannah. And um, that's, you know, at first I thought, okay, pull yourself together. And I didn't want to act emotionally, so I started asking more questions. And the more I asked, the more it became apparent to me that this was not a one-off incident, that things like this had been happening for a while. And I'd been hearing reports, but I think I had assumed that they were indiscriminate. You know, all kids were receiving these, you know, kinds of taunts and spitting in the face and everything else. But an I Hate Hannah Club specifically was hard to ignore. So that launched um, me into a whole new realm where I realized I needed to start understanding more what was happening at school when I wasn't there and learning more about bullying because I was being told that no bullying was going on. And I kept getting reports that sounded a whole lot like bullying and, you know, 100% qualified with the definition I gave you earlier. Mm. What is it that you hope for people to take away from your book, Canaries Among Us? Right. So I first started writing as my own sort of cathartic process. It was just me writing on a piece of paper, not for anybody else, just to help me feel less alone and more sure in, in what I was trying to understand. But as I looked around, as I started getting my kids to better ground, um, I noticed that so many other families are dealing with these issues 
but they too feel isolated. There's so much stigma that no one's talking about it, it and they, so they all feel so alone. I did a ton of research, but one of the things I really tried to find was a story written by a parent who could help me under, feel less alone, and I, for the life of me, couldn't find it. So when I got to a better ground, I felt like I had somewhat of a moral obligation to pay it forward and to provide that story to other families so they know they're not alone. This, you know, bullying is quite frequent. It happens in every school. It's, the problem is not that it happens. The problem occurs when people don't address it properly when it happens. So I hope to help people, families feel less alone, and I also integrate a lot of the research I, I um, found to help give parents the tools they need to advocate for their children. Wow. Um, <laughs> we can't wait. Let's support this woman, October being National Bullying Prevention Month. Uh, her book, Canaries Among Us, A Mother's Quest to Honor Her Child's Individuality and the Culture Determined to Negate It, is out on Tuesday, October the 11th. Uh, it'll be available everywhere, yes? Yes, it will. Yeah, so log on to Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, Books right. a Million, wherever you get it. You know, to get the audio. All oh. of those places. I might also put uh, put in a plug for the independent bookstores, Bookshop.org, and other places. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, all the places you mentioned. Did you voice the audiobook? Oh, that's such a good question. So I have not produced an audio book yet, but I very much intend to because one of the main communities I address here is um, people with learning differences. And so reading is not um, maybe people's first favorite pastime if they have dyslexia. So my goal is very much to produce uh, an audio book. I, I think you should. You have a lovely voice, and uh, it's very soothing, and I'm sure... Maybe you with... can voice it for me. <laughs> I mean... We spoke earlier about what a great hey. voice you have. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. This is, this is not about me, Kayla. This is <laughs> all about you It's about us. It's about community. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I received that. Thank you so much. Man, well, well congratulations on everything and uh let's continue uh, this conversation anything else you would you would like for um, the world to know i would just like to thank you personally for what you're doing to pass the microphone around and i mean you mentioned just today it sounds like you're addressing several very important causes i didn't realize what a heavy month um, october is Um, but you're doing wonderful work um, helping the communities become more aware of some really important issues. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I received that. You know, I, I purposely use this platform for just that. This is the people's show. And so there are a lot of organizations and groups and individuals that are doing great things in the community, but they are not getting any publicity or any media coverage for that. And since I have um, been the anchor of this program uh, since 2014, I purposely use this platform for the people. So I, I receive that. And to know that it is being recognized, that that <laughs> that just fills my heart. So thank you so well, much for well, that. I really hear you because this whole journey of publishing a book has taught me many things. But one of those things is is that it's very hard for the average person to tell a story and to get that amplified. If you're famous, it's easy. Um, But everyday people have a very hard time having their truths be honored and heard. So the fact that you intentionally do that is really, really special. Wow. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Kayla Taylor, her book, Canaries Among Us, out 
Tuesday. Thank you so much for your time and this and, and, and sharing your scholarship and just this uh, energy exchange. It, it was lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, KG. Indeed. And for those of you listening to the Public Affairs Podcast presented by 100 Black Men of Metropolitan Houston, we will see you next week.